the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. This is sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, Joe Concha. We have something in common. We both used to do sports. Now we don't. He's got a lot to say on whether or not our trust in the media can ever be regained. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Welcome to Sideline Sanity, where we try to have sane conversations. My guest today is Fox News contributor and media and politics columnist for The Hill, Joe Concha, many other things, author, book about to come out. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Joe, welcome. How are you? Father also, Michelle. Okay. Okay. Won my beer pong tournament last weekend. Uh, So that's a champion there. Uh, I got two. They weren't at the tournament. Uh, They are six and eight. So uh, not looking at colleges anytime soon. No, and see, and we are. And it'll be here before you know it. So enjoy every single second of their annoying lives as much (laughs) as they might get in your way and in your hair. And I know you love them like I love mine, like to the ends of the earth and back. But every little annoyance embrace it buddy because it's embrace it's it. the the minute you start thinking oh my gosh he's going to be out of the house soon it really starts to freak you out and make you wish you had some more time with them okay yeah. and after that uplifting little <laughs> message embrace your annoying kids yes love them like there's no tomorrow All um right. Uh, I'm sure someone's going to get mad at me for saying annoying kids, but there are annoyances in having children. We both know it. What what would you say is the most annoying thing your eight-year-old is doing these days? It's a cute thing. That's the thing that makes me feel guilty now about about saying this, but she comes into bed with us a lot, you know, Uh, particularly thunderstorms don't go well. And then she kicks and then my son hears her in the bed, so then he feels he has to climb with us also. Then you got the dog yeah. up there as well, seven stuffed yeah. animals. So it's this cute moment if you took a picture of it, but I get no sleep. I you mean, get it's no just, sleep. Yeah. It's, I, I, yeah. And, and I promise you that will end. My husband did not do that kind of thing well, and I loved it. I, I would have, you know, except for, yeah, the nights when you don't get any sleep. It's, it's, it's annoying. Okay, how about the six-year-old? Is it that he follows the eight-year-old into the bed, or is it there's something else? He's got like this this telepathic sense, you know, like Leia and Luke, the way they could communicate with each other in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, that's what happens. So when the eight year old and three o'clock in the morning comes into the bed, he somehow just knows that that's happening. Or maybe he just goes up to use the bathroom and takes a peek in. Who knows? But then at least yeah. within a half hour to 45 minutes, then he's there. And then the dog knows and the dog comes up and it's. Yeah, it's one of those things, I guess. But uh, yes, adorable to- and annoying. Yes. I'm thinking about going to my daughter's bed when she comes into my bed. We'll just swap. It's very simple. That, that's an idea. That I've, I've done that as well. All right. Um, there's so much I want to talk to you about, Joe, but let's sure. start with uh, some a little bit of breaking news on the day that you and I are recording this. And maybe when someone's listening to it a week from now, this won't be breaking news, but that's okay. Novak Djokovic tweets mm-hmm. out that he's not going to come to the U.S. Open because he remains unvaccinated. This is one of the most annoying, speaking of annoying, stupid, (laughs) insane stories that we see today. Uh, This guy. So meanwhile, the southern border is wide open Mm -hmm. to people, many of whom we don't know who they are. But a champion tennis player can't come play in the U.S. Open because he's 
not vaccinated. And yet we know that even if you're double vaxxed and double boosted, as the president, first lady and so many are, you can still get COVID. So what are we doing? Triple vaccinated, right? <laughs> yeah. With the president and first lady. And they not only got COVID, they got it twice in two weeks, yeah. which has Rebound. to be some sort of record, right? And you yeah. mentioned the southern border. We, we got, you know, something like four million people will come into this country, Michelle, in the first two years of this presidency. And I'm pretty sure most of them probably didn't get the jab right, in Nicaragua, right, or, or parts of Guatemala. So we're allowing all these people to come in unvaccinated. But when it comes to, my opinion, the number one player in the world, I know some people love Rafa, and, and, and I always have as well being a Spaniard myself. But right now, all intents and purposes, you, you got to say that Djokovic is probably number one, or at least in the top two. He's not yeah. allowed to come here and play despite the fact he had COVID in December, and my wife's a doctor, and I've learned a lot about COVID. And I said, what's better, natural immunity or if you get the jab? She goes, well, obviously, if your body produces it, it's probably better in terms of fighting the virus than putting something artificial in your body. And I'm triple vaxxed. I'll, I'll be very clear about that. Uh, and, and it's been fine. But the, the fact that he has this immunity and the fact that he is 35 years old, probably the you could say top five in shape guy in the world. I don't know if you play tennis, but boy, you got to be in shape to play that sport. Yeah, you do. Right. Five hour matches. What other sport goes on yeah. for five hours and you're not on a team. It's one-on-one -on -one and you're playing in heat. So that guy with natural immunity can't fight off the virus. Oh, by the way, tennis literally socially distances you, right? You're not here. <laughs> it's outside. It's outside. It's the U.S. Open is outdoors. And here's the best oh. part. It's at Arthur Ashe, so, right? Like the big matches. Right. They hold 23,000 people. Uh, and no one's going to have to show a vaccination card to get into there. And then they'll be sitting next to each other without masks. But Djokovic can't go in. It's just like we saw with Kyrie Irving, right? Kyrie Irving couldn't play home games for the Brooklyn Nets. But he could play on the road. And then players that weren't vaccinated could play in New York. But Kyrie Irving could sit on the bench or courtside like Spike Lee high-fiving people. That's not a health risk. It's just, as you said, insane. Well, it all it illustrates, right, is the insanity and the stupidity of all of this, if people can't see that, then they are maybe too religiously involved in the shot and the mask. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just can't think of another way to put it. It has become almost religious for some people to wear the mask and to talk. I think I saw a tweet somewhere today about the the COVID bereaved. Uh, and, and so in re respect to COVID bereaved, please wear a mask. So in other words, whether you are going to transmit the virus or not, wear the mask because someone's really bummed out about COVID. I, I, I'm sorry, where are the facts there? I'm, I'm just tired of the insanity, Joe, if you must know, and I'm sure I'm making that very clear. Yeah. And it's been going on for a long time. And meanwhile, kids have lost learning. Toddlers are still being required to wear masks. People who needed the most protection didn't get it because we were too busy slapping this one-size-fits-all protection on everyone. What the hell is going to wake people up? I would think a lot of people are woken up at this point, but not enough, clearly, particularly those who work in the federal government who decide these things. Remember, some people are mad at the U.S. Open because they think that Djokovic isn't playing there because the U.S. Open somehow said you can't play because you're not vaccinated. No, this is the federal government of the United States says you're not allowed in this country if you're not vaccinated, even though the vaccine, again, has shown that it's done zero to stop transmission, right? Uh, and now we have kids going back to college. And at Georgetown, for example, where, where my wife went to school, they all have to wear masks at Georgetown. Imagine being in college and, and wearing a mask when you're in the dorm the entire time or when you're in class. I mean, these poor kids are coming up now on three years of their college lives. Let's say they're juniors or seniors where all they've known uh, a college existence in a mask. Uh, I, I could not imagine myself uh, at my former university uh, ever having to endure anything like that because keg stands are particularly hard to do with masks on. <laughs> yeah, it, this is... Um it's madness to me because, again, I'm not sure we really have the data, the precise data that shows that masks are necessary in these environments and that they work. And if you're just going to say masks are required, well, haven't we already determined that cloth masks don't work? So don't you have to specify the exact type of mask if you really are concerned about the efficacy of the mask? 
I was just in New York uh, right before I came on here, and and I walk outside and I'm, I'm I'm waiting for a car, and there's a guy sitting on a bench and he's alone and he is wearing a mask below his nose. It's a cloth mask. You can see he's probably worn it like 50 times because it's not even sticking to his face anymore. And he's reading. And I got to think like, all right, either this guy thinks this is protecting him or it's so, it's something like a symbol. Like it's he's, he's yeah. virtue signaling. Like, see, right. I care about myself where I'm outside on an 85 degree day reading alone on a, on a bench and I get the thing below my nose. So yeah, most people don't even wear these things correctly half the time. And I'll bring up my wife again. I, I should have just had her down here with me. It's probably be more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> she wears an N95, right? When she goes to work, because she's around old people that are vulnerable. All right. It makes total sense. Right. And this thing, by the time she comes home, she's got like little almost dents in her face because it's that tight on her. And that's the only thing that could protect her. Now, here's the irony. She uh, didn't get COVID for the first year and a half of this, despite treating COVID patients on, on a daily basis, but then did get it when she was at home, when my kid bought it home, gave it to my daughter, gave it to my wife. And then for whatever reason, I didn't get it. Go figure. I don't know, maybe natural immunity, who knows. But the point is that you could do all the things you want in public places like schools, masking kids up and everything. In the end, you're just going to get it in your home anyway. I mean, did, did you have you had COVID? Did you ever get it? I don't know. I'll tell you this. I went through the 2020 NFL season where we had to be tested three times a week, right? Yeah. Including the night before the game. And uh, I never tested positive ever. So since I've been done working on the NFL, which was the last Super Bowl here in 2022, February, I have not tested. I don't think I've been sick. I'm sure there might be a day where I had a sniffle. So yeah. I don't know. And I don't know why I would bother if I get a sniffle. If I should I run go test? I don't I don't know. I, I if I'm not going to be around anyone and and it's, I just, you know, matter. I don't know. I, I, so I kind of sort of, unless someone is going to make me test or I, unless I'm really curious, I don't know how it's going to help me. And I know there are going to be people out there say, shame on you. If you have a sniffle, you should test and then you should stay home. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that any of this stuff is really has worked. I mean, no. they locked us down for all that time and it didn't work. You're going to get this no matter what, right? It, it's, you're not going to be able to avoid it. You can't remember contract tracing. <laughs> you know, okay, yes. This person got it from this person. If we contain these two people, then these people won't get it. Of course not. You can't contain a virus like this. Uh, Joe Biden said he would stop and control the virus when, when he was campaigning. I said, no, you're not. It, it would, no one can. It's, it's going to do what it's going to do. And what we're seeing more and more now is that it's running through all these variants and all these cycles where it keeps getting weaker and weaker. So if you do get it, it is going to be that sniffle. It is going to be that cold. But I can only imagine what you're going through, Michelle, at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles uh, on that February day where you see the, the, the kids' youth band playing outside with masks on, and then you go inside, and there's 70,000 people who are supposed to be wearing masks. Apparently, that was a mandated thing, and no they, one was, including the well, governor of California. That, <laughs> yeah, they dropped that mandate like a week before the Super Bowl. They did. Because they okay. knew how bad it was going to look. Was That's, it the NFC Championship game then that maybe man, tried to mandate it? I, yes, yes, okay. yeah, and then yes, and then then just before the Super Bowl, they they drop, they kind of quietly drop the mandate. That's okay. what happened. I love the so, fact. Did you see Eric Garcetti, the guy who's like the DA of Los Angeles? Yeah. County? And he takes off his mask for all these pictures with Magic Johnson. And yeah. then somebody's like, hey, what are you doing? You know, the, 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 you've always said you got to me masked up. He said, well, I held my breath during. <laughs> During the photos, yeah, that, that keeps COVID from going from one person to the other. It, it's madness, like you said. It is madness, and, and we see it with our very eyes. I mean, when I saw there's a there's a video clip of a public official, and forgive me, I can't remember which one, but it's in D.C., and he's about to go stand in front of the press. Yeah. And someone manages to shoot him off in the wings, and he's standing there getting ready, and he doesn't have a mask on. And he puts the mask on, walks out on stage in front of the microphone and takes it off again. <laughs> so he literally had the mask on for show for about three seconds, maybe four. Oh, yeah. It is a classic. It is one of those that will be in future Twitter, you know, when we're going history today. Yeah. It'll be one of these bizarre world moments that people will tweet out as a r ridiculous example of what we did to to virtue signal or to pretend that masks worked 
you know, whether they do or not, I, again, like I still haven't been satisfied. I, am I, I don't know if I'm crazy for that. I am not satisfied that masks work. I think you're right. The N95 that your wife wears to work in a health setting, in a public health setting, in a, in a hospital setting is appropriate. But this little charade that he pulled off, it was, it was unbelievable to me. You know what? I, I don't. I, I think they don't work for this reason. I'm just basing this on the fact that my kids, since I'm in New Jersey, which is a lot like California, uh, I, they had to wear masks all the way up until March. I, I can't believe it was actually that recent. This and, last March. Yeah, this last March, right? And then finally, the state of New Jersey says, "Okay, I, I think we're good to go." Right? So then they take the masks off, and then for the rest of the school year, the rest of March, April, May, they go all the way to late June. When you compare the cases in the school, then to before when they were wearing masks and the cases actually went down. How <laughs> is that possible? Unless these things just don't work. There just are so many inconsistencies, which is why I, I think a lot of people are calling it out because the inconsistencies, for instance, and, and this will be my last anecdote and it's okay. just an anecdote, but in the NFL 2020, Players could go out on the field without masks, right? Now, they had to wear them on the sidelines. Yeah, that was funny. Or the rest but then, <laughs> Yeah, and then, but then they'd go out and physically be inches between them, right? Yeah. Lining up at the line of scrimmage, whatever, tackle, a safety would come across the middle and grab a receiver and bring them down. They're, this, they're touching each other. They're sweating all over each other. They're breathing all over each other. Yep. But in the post-game interview... They had to be masked, and we had to be six feet apart. With the, with the long microphone, right? I remember you With a long microphone, interviews. and it was outside. It was outside, yeah. And then no one puts I, like two and two together like, oh, wait, maybe when they go back into the locker room, <laughs> that's where it gets spread. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I love the fact that refs wore, wore the mask and everybody on the sidelines wearing the mask. And then all those empty stadiums, which had to be so eerie to work in. Uh, it was really eerie. It was really eerie. It was, it was quite, in a way, I'm... I'm glad I was able to have that experience. It's historic in my estimation of, yeah. of something so American as the NFL uh, to be in. It was really weird. And some some places were weirder than others. I think especially in domes where you could when the players ran out on the field, you could hear their conversations. Right. Because it was so dead silent in there. It was bizarre. And when we look but, back on it now. This isn't an outdoor transmission thing, right? I remember college football when they came back, and I think I guess it was 2021, and Wisconsin does that that whole jump around thing going into the fourth yeah. quarter. And I, I just remember, you know, uh, left-wing Twitter going nuts saying, boy, there's your super spreader event right there, and cases didn't climb like one bit. So, uh, yeah, out, this is an indoor thing. It's not an outdoor virus. It's not as dangerous as it was remotely. I don't think if people even think about it anymore. Thank God outside of the virtue signalers that we just talked about. But even yesterday, I went into another building, not Fox, uh, in New York, and they asked me for a vaccine card. And, and I, I literally did. said, yeah, yeah. This is at another media company. I'll put it that way, right? I wasn't interviewing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it was it was radio. Um, I don't want to throw them under the bus because I like the company, but they still had a rule there that said you had to show a vaccine card before you can enter the building. And I'm like looking through yeah. my phone. I'm like, I haven't shown this thing in like nine months. What are you talking about? So wait, this is in New York? Because I thought they dropped that in New York. This building, though, said that I had to show a vaccine card. Okay. Yeah. I just well, found that funny. I'm like, what year are we in? This yeah, still can't I, be a thing. It, it does. It seems like it's it's behind us in so many ways, but yeah. there are those those reminders. And by the way. I'll tell you when I get off, by the way. I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll be curious. By the way, <laughs> if you want to wear a mask, knock yourself out. I will not, I, I will not judge you. Mm -hmm. I, I feel bad for toddlers who are being forced to wear masks. I don't think that's right. And I don't understand there's no logic behind it that, that there's just if, if, if I don't know, what does your wife feel about that? Just again, anecdotally, if you want to share it. Well, you know, speaking of toddlers, my son, when this thing first hit was three years old and he would go to the YMCA, it's like a community center and it's like a preschool for preschool, right? Like they do some learning, yeah. but they do playing and it's the best place ever. That's run. It's not, a, it's obviously not run by the state of New Jersey. It's run privately. So even when COVID hit, they're open five days a week. Uh, and the kids had to wear masks, yes. Um, but what does she think about them? Kind of what I said before, I guess I was echoing what she was saying. If you don't wear it right or you don't wear the right kind of mask, then they're completely pointless.
Uh, that there you go. Um, and and I'm not sure what kind of masks they're requiring these kids to wear, but I can't believe they're all well, wearing little tiny N95 masks, or, which are the only ones that seem to be proven yeah. effective at erasing or get, barring transmission. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Um, Okay, enough about COVID. When we come back, I want to ask you about your book and about some of the things that you've shared in it. The book's title is, come on, man. (laughs) I I didn't do that well at all. But uh, the truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency. Joe Concha is the author. We'll get more deets on the book after this. Come on, man. I honestly thought I'd never see the day when student loans would be forgiven to people who are making $125,000 a year. But that day has come. Hold on to your wallets and let's start looking at other investments for you, shall we? I mean, we've seen the stock market all over the place. We've seen gas prices, gas prices through the roof. We've seen inflation. We've seen all of these insane Let's keep it on the insanity level. Things going on in the world of finance and in the world period. And the markets, they don't like instability. So here's the good news. Gold is on the rise. It's a great option for you. And if you want to protect your wealth and your retirement and hedge against the inflation that we don't see an end to, you want to check out gold and silver. Go to Legacy Precious Metals, LegacyPMInvestments.com. They're the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver. And I think you can trust them too. Look, remember 2008? (laughs) You you probably remember that. Those who invested in gold saw really big gains and others lost their retirements. Gold and silver are here to stay and they're really good, solid, steady investments. Legacy Precious Metals can help you decide what will work for you and what will work in your portfolio. It cannot hurt to give them a call and see what's available. So call them today. Be proactive. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investment guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Back with Joe Concha. The book is Come On, Man, The Truth About Joe Biden's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Presidency. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He seems to throw that in for emphasis. You know, something I've noticed about Biden recently Mm -hmm. is that when he wants to say no to something, to answer a question with a no, he doesn't say just say no. Next question. He says, no, never, not once, never, ever. Never, never, ever did I talk to my son about his business dealings. Mm-hmm. It's that reminds me of that. Methinks thou doth protest too much. I, I don't dust protest too much. Anyway, I'm not a Shakespearean <laughs> actress, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, have you noticed that 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 tendency of his to not just say no, but to say it in 16 different ways? He thinks that if he's really, really, really definitive about something and says no in all these different ways, then therefore that really drives the point home uh, that he's telling the truth. And what I've learned in, in writing, come on, man. You ain't black. Oh, I thought we could have found Oh, man. There we go. John was just a little behind the trigger. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, learning, writing this book is that 
we are dealing with a pathological liar in, in the president. And I, I look at this objectively. Like sometimes people will say, well, oh, yeah, you're the guy on Fox. Of course, you're going to you're going to uh, attack Biden. I voted for Bill Clinton. Not, not ashamed to admit it. All right. 1996. Things are going pretty well. Good economy. Yeah, no I did wars. too. Right. He worked. Did to, went to the, you did. OK, there you go. We're, we're confessing things now. He worked yeah. to the center. Right. Uh, work with Newt Gingrich. Welfare reform. Balanced budget. Wow. Who would ever think we'd have something like that? That amendment. So I'm like, all right, things are going well. Bob Dole seems kind of old. So all right, I'll go with Clinton. So, yeah, I, I try to look at presidents based on their performance, uh, based on their credibility uh, and overall just a, a lot of different factors. But it's never like Republican. Ding. No. It, 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 what are you going to do to make you know, my life better, more importantly, my, my family's life better. And, and when you look at Biden, you go in the book, we go all the way back to the beginning of his young adulthood, where he said that he finished at the top of his law school class. And then you learn that, no, he finished 76th out of 85th, 85, right? Come That's on. not the top. Yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> and then he also should have been thrown out of Syracuse where he went to law because uh, law school, because he actually plagiarized uh, several articles. I mean, word for word kind of stuff, not like he forgot to attribute something like that. This was blatant stuff. And then you see throughout the book that he plagiarized time and again from when he was in law school, right through when he was a senator on several occasions, uh, even as president. It's not him writing the speeches, but still at the same time, this is a pattern thing at this point. So, so go ahead. I'm can sorry. I stop you really quick? Yeah. Why do you think he was never held accountable for those things? It's not like he came from royalty, right? Like he had like a name brand. Like it's not like there's like a Clinton or a Bush or something like that. You get some sort of special treatment. I have no idea why, quite frankly. I mean, once you get caught plagiarizing uh, a thesis, I would think that that would be the end of you in terms of uh, a university. But he didn't even get thrown out of the class. They let him take it again, right? So he just seemed to – he's very lucky. Uh, he's Irish. So he just seemed to catch not a joke. break after break. But, but the corn pop story – there it is. Uh, <laughs> but Michelle, have you ever really explored the corn pop story? No. no. Okay. You're going to love this. This is Biden okay. to a T in terms of him telling you things that you know can't possibly be true in any way, shape, or form. So when he's 21, he gets a job at a pool in town in Delaware uh, where he said he wanted to go to a more black uh, community because you want to get the noted community better. So you're like, no, when you're 21, you're not thinking along the lines of, hey, I really want to improve racial relations. Let me go work at the pool that, that has mostly black people. But th this is what he says, because he's telling the story later in life. And obviously, this is virtue signaling uh, to, to portray himself as like the next Martin Luther King. So he goes to work for this pool and he's the lifeguard. And this this gang decides to show up. They're called the Romans, right? And this isn't the, the, the Crips, obviously, or the Bloods. They're called the Romans because it's Delaware and it's not exactly, you know, the toughest place in the world. And the leader of this gang is called Corn Pop. That, that's his name. Because, again, this is Delaware and, you know, you're, you're not going to have somebody with a tough name. It's literally a serial that, that this, this guy is uh, the, the gang leader of. And Corn Pop did exist. Like, Biden didn't lie about that. So okay. then Corn Pop goes up on the diving board, right? But he doesn't have a, a, a swim cap on. So then Biden says... Hey, you, Esther Williams, you put a swim cap on right now or I'm kicking you out of here. And everybody hears this, right, including, you know, other gang members. So okay. then Corn Pop isn't happy. Right. And again, why would if you're a lifeguard, why would you go from being David Hasselhoff to Clint Eastwood? Like, why can you just say, hey, can you put on a, a swim cap? Thank you. Like, why do you have to be all a tough guy? And you bring up Esther Williams, who you, you probably know from the 50s was was a big swimmer and also like an actor. You ain't blind. So now you're yes. really insulting the guy. Thank you. So so from here, then Corn Pop and, you know, other gang members are waiting for Biden in the parking lot. And this is the way Biden tells it. He says, OK, I walked out there and I took the thing that separates the low end from the deep end to, to defend myself. And they had knives. And I walked up to him and I said, look, I'm not going to apologize for making you get off the diving board because you didn't have a swim cap on. But uh, I do apologize for calling you Esther Williams. And Corn Pop looked him in the eye and said, you're apologizing to me? And he said, well, about one thing, but not the other. He says, okay. And he walks away. If you believe that actually happened, that you can take on a gang member and publicly embarrass him, and the gang member does not beat the utter crap out of you, or at least stabs you with the knife that he has in his hand, I'm sorry. I'm never, ever going to believe anything Joe Biden says again, based on corn pop. Don't jive me. Well, let me ask you this. Where where did this story originate? How has it been confirmed in one way or the other? Because it's it seems like such a folk tale at this point yeah. that I don't know what to believe. So how, how, what do we it's in it's in your book. No, it's in Biden's book. Biden oh, it's in Biden's book. book. Yeah. So, and, uh, and by the way, what's the thing that separates the low end from the deep end uh, of the pool that he, 
In, he, he took out with him. Well, I have a pool pool and a pond. The pond would be good for you, natural spring. But 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 the uh, the pool uh, has a it's like a it's like a chain, I guess. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Or a rope. You know so, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. all right, so that kind of thing. So he took. <laughs> so one on like four. He then kind of yeah, apologized. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really buying down. that story either. No, um, I, I'm not. I, there, well, and and because if that were the only fib that he's guilty of, then you know I'd give him cut him some slack. Mm. But because of all the plagiarizing and all of the others, just faux pas and horrible comments that he's made. Yeah. You know, they're going to put you all back in chains. That one was particularly disgusting by my uh, um, yeah. measures. Um, Mitt I, I guess, I, yeah, <laughs> Mitt uh, you know, yeah, just all of this stuff adds up to being. I just keep wondering how he continued to remain in his position. He did failed. He, you know, yeah. I, did, did he have something on something? Someone, or did everyone just think, ah, Biden, he's harmless? Right place, right time. So he's a senator in Delaware. Delaware's a very blue state, so he's never going to get voted out of office. And then the way he became vice president was Barack Obama wins the nomination, but Barack Obama was in the Senate for like five minutes and was a community organizer before that. So people were saying, well, you know, when you go against John McCain, he's going to wipe the floor with you in terms of your foreign policy experience. So then, he, then Obama thought, well, I need somebody who has foreign policy experience, uh, obviously a white guy, uh, somebody who's been in Washington for a while and knows his way around. And Joe Biden fit that description. So that's how uh, he got to the vice presidency. And then eventually the presidency, I, I argue in the book that there is no way I'm not I'm not the biggest Trump guy. In other words, I, I like a lot of Trump's policies. I, I wish he would discipline himself a little bit better, but I'm more in the, the DeSantis camp. If you want to be, uh, if I want to be totally candid, like you get everything you get with Trump with DeSantis, but you get a, somebody who's very disciplined. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but all of that said, Trump would have won quite easily if COVID never came. This once in what we talked about before, once in a hundred year pandemic, Yeah. no pandemic, yeah. then Biden actually has to campaign. If Biden campaigns and he's out there, then he's out there and he's probably telling fib after fib, lie after lie. And then the obvious gaps, like you can't work in a 7-Eleven unless you have a thick Indian accent type of thing. Right. Yeah. Or when he said yeah. uh, he visited South Africa and said he was arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela. This is when he was a senator. I'm pretty sure that would make news. Uh, and then when he was confronted on it, he only later said, oh, yeah, well, they actually maybe just go stay, go walk in another direction. Well, that's not getting arrested now, is it? But he said that before the South Carolina primary. And, and obviously, there's a big black vote down there. So he told the story to get votes. So he, it, Joe Biden does whatever he can do to advance himself politically. But again, if he had to run against a Trump, all right, remember, minus COVID, you have a great economy, uh, like a record-breaking kind of economy. And he's, yeah. he's getting us out of wars. And yeah, he's got, you know, the itchy Twitter finger and, you know, says, said some things where you say, huh. But at the same time, if you have peace and prosperity, incumbent, incumbent presidents don't get beaten. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and Biden was just, you know, he won Georgia by 10,000 votes and he won Arizona by 10,000 votes and he won Wisconsin by, you know, two tenths of a percentage point. If those go in the other direction, you have another president. Like that's, that's all it was. So I got to yeah. believe if you take COVID out, then Biden would have had nothing, nothing to run. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, there, there, there was no question that that was just an absolute game changer in the whole entire yeah. election of uh, 2020. And, 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 and now getting, so coming full circle a little bit with you here on the whole COVID and Biden circuit, um, I, I can remember those debates where people said, if it's Trump's vaccine, I ain't taking it. I will not take a Trump vaccine. Yeah. As but if, once Biden won and the vaccine was released, even though it happened under Operation Warp Speed, everyone took it I, I, and and took and claimed credit for for distributing it. Yeah, I, I love it when they called the Trump vaccine as if he was in a lab somewhere, you know, saying, "All right, yeah. we mix this and we put a little of this here and a little yeah. buff syrup, and we're we're good to go." Uh, no, this was being done by Moderna and Pfizer and all these great companies. So I don't know how it's the Trump vaccine, I guess, because his FDA would have to approve it. But still, at the same time, I, I, I was writing about Fauci just a, a day or two ago when he announced his retirement. And Dr. Fauci said uh, that with certainty, by the way, Trump said, I think we could have a vaccine by the end of the year. And then Fauci publicly, and remember, Fauci's basically working for him at the time, says, oh, no, no, uh, that's optimistic. We won't have one until mid to late 2021. Oops. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you could yeah. go through a hundred things that that Fauci got wrong. But, but but getting back to Biden, you know, how did he become president? How, how is he the most powerful person in the world? Boy, our media had a big, big role in that. Uh, yeah. You remember these town halls, right? 
And they're supposed to be, you know, just independent voters asking questions of Joe Biden. And then you, you look at who these people are affiliated with. During one ABC um, debate, or I'm sorry, town hall that I mentioned in the book, a guy from Pennsylvania asks a question, and it's all about um, uh, gay and lesbian rights, right? And that, that's fine if you ask the question. The problem is the person that asked the question was a speechwriter in the Obama-Biden administration. No one vetted this guy. I mean, it's a simple Google search. That's it. Or then there's another one, CNN. They had 13 audience members ask questions of Biden during this town hall. And 11 were Democrats and two were Republicans. And the Republicans both hated Trump. You know what I mean? So I've seen bias before, but this was outright activism. Not so much to get Joe Biden elected. I think he was just a useful idiot. It was more to get Trump out. And oh, by the way, we're not going to look at the guy who's replacing him, who was infinitely worse in terms of inflation, gas prices, crime. It's, it's first level thinking. It's first level thinking. It's not digging past. Okay. If this, then what? Yeah. And if that, then what? No, no one wants to dig that far. They just want to solve the, 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 the biggest problem in front of them without thinking of what the solution, that the solution might be worse than the problem. So in, in which case I think that's debatable right now. Let's finish with this. Okay. How do we ever gain, regain trust in the media? Because, I don't care what outlet you are and what you claim about yourself. Mm -hmm. Someone will find a reason to mistrust you. And it's what we see all over the place. I can remember in Fox News' early days, I I saw a bumper sticker on a car that said, those voices you hear in your head, it's just Fox News. (laughs) You know, things like that. And then, you know, we see CNN completely being gutted and restructured. And we know very well what the bias is at msnbc so i'm not sure where people turn except to substack where you've got these independent writers who have some really interesting things to say sure but but there's news to be covered actual world events and i'm not sure where we get the most clinical unbiased objective coverage of that or if it's even possible joe People are going to accuse me of being, you know, a homer here, but I honestly believe this. I, I said this well before I ever signed with Fox. Okay, when I was just analyzing media, when somebody said, "Where can I get an unbiased newscast anymore?" If you watch Special Report with Brett Baer, I would I, agree. You know, I, I swear, if you just put somebody in front of it who didn't know, didn't have a preconceived notion about Fox News or, or NBC or, or CNN or anywhere, and, and you said, "What do you think of that newscast?" They would say it was perfectly, perfectly objective, covered a lot of different topics. And the anchor doesn't seem like he holds a bias in any direction. So mm-hmm. that's a good place. I think the BBC still does some good work if, if you like international news. Uh, mm-hmm. Bloomberg at times uh, is, is, is pretty good as well. But overall, uh, I think, unfortunately, I don't think the trust ever does come back. It's kind of like being cheated on. Like once you've been scorned like <laughs> that, <laughs> right, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. And even if CNN tries to pivot to the middle. And I, I'm still not sold on that at all because their new president was only the executive producer of Stephen Colbert, right? And probably the most partisan show on television. And it's supposed to be comedy. Uh, until I see like real changes there and you can say, well, they got rid of Brian Stelter. That that shows, you know, that, that they want to move to the center. They didn't do it because they want to move to the center. They moved, they, they fired Stelter because he was leaking to the press and even saying publicly very bad things about new management and discovery. And you can't have somebody trying to destroy the network from the inside. And Stelter was doing it because he was loyal to Jeff Zucker, who was the former boss there, I'm sure you knew from your NBC days. Uh, so he figured, OK, I, I'm untouchable. I, I'm going to bash these guys and there's nothing they can do. Well, they can do something. They fired him. Um, yeah. But overall, I just don't see how you undo what we've witnessed, particularly over like the last six or seven years where bombshell after bombshell uh, about Trump or about Republicans uh, would fizzle. And for whatever reason, all these unnamed sources, all the negativity only went in one direction. How many negative stories, like truly bad stories about the Biden administration, have we seen that turned out not to be true or b- because of bad sourcing? It doesn't happen. Gee, I wonder why that is, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the suppression of the Hunter Biden story yeah. in during the election is such a strong indicator of and, and really it it. I left Twitter for a long time because I was so fed up with their policies and the way that they would suspend people or cancel people or suppress stories or amplify other stories. Same with Facebook. I I just I'm I'm it's a battle that someone finally told me, look, if you if you 
if you quit and you don't stop trying to get your own message out, then they've sort of won and they yep. own that space. So you gotta, you gotta keep being in there. And I, and I think to a certain degree that's true. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm back on Twitter and I'm back on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And those are sort of where I, I leave myself, but it's, it's still happening constantly. And I, I, I hope Elon Musk buys Twitter. I hope this thing happens. I, I, I don't know what you're hearing about that case, but it certainly seems to me that that Elon Musk is the one person who is hell bent on on giving us a platform that is just truly a public square. Precisely. And that's the problem, right? We don't have any company. Usually competition solves these problems, right? That if a company acts the way Twitter or Facebook has acted, then another Twitter or Facebook comes along and more people migrate to there. Twitter and Facebook particularly are so ingrained in the way we communicate, whether it is for work in terms of, hey, I have this great podcast or, hey, I'm going to be on it numbered on Fox or whatever. So we, we, we use it for those reasons and just to share every inane thought in our head when we're watching a sporting event, which is what I do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yep. And then and then Facebook, same thing, like, all right, here are the kids and here we are on vacation and so on. There is no alternative to Facebook or to Twitter that is meaningful in any way. And then if, it, if there is an alternative like Instagram, then Facebook just buys them. So, yeah. you know, it's I, I just well, and then again, dangerous. let's not forget the the chapter where Parler came out mm-hmm. and then Parler got removed from the App Store yep. and anywhere else that you could buy apps. They just they got rid of Parler. They a, just yeah. squashed the competition, which seems to me to be illegal, uh, but somehow that happened. I'm not. I'm not sure to this day how that happened. Now you don't hear about it anymore, right? I mean, I never heard right. the last thing. Hey, I read it on Parler. Yeah, no, Apple took it off their app store, and then uh, Amazon took it off their servers, right? Like they, right. they just systematically took down this thing because it was it was getting big. But again. I found it boring, quite frankly, because everybody agreed with each other. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's yeah. fun when you have some good debate. That's interesting. You know, so Do even you think Truth that social. same thing is true of Truth Social? Because Truth Social, like, I'm not on it, uh, so I don't really watch it or read it. Because I think of that same, that same reason. You bring, you make a really good point. If you know you're walking into an echo chamber, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. Precisely. That's why we need must to buy uh, Twitter. But yes, before what's going on with that case, they're basically going to settle. He'll have to pay like a million dollar like penalty type of thing. But him buying it now at this point, I don't see any scenario where that happens. You don't see it happening no. still. You don't think he manages to negotiate it down to a better price and and still take it over? I'm not going to. I'm not going to speak in absolutes. Somebody taught me about that once in television. I think there's a very good chance it won't happen. <laughs> so when it does, I have an out. But yeah, I, I would hope so. But it seems like he's lost his fight. You know what I mean? Like he had that vigor and that passion. And now it just doesn't seem, I just don't see him talking about it as much. So I wonder if that's his lawyer saying, be quiet, you know, let's, let's get this thing out of the way. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm certainly going to keep an eye on that. It, it'll be really disappointing if it doesn't happen. I, I will find that really disappointing and almost as though Twitter wins in the long run and they get to continue censoring and suspending accounts for things that, to me are give us some credit for being smart enough to figure out, you know, what is more speech is better than no speech. More speech is always better. Mm-hmm. More, 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 more sideline hey, sanity. You ain't black. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> sideline sanity. Hey Joe, uh, again, folks, the book is come, come on, on man. man. Let's have one more. Come on, man. Oh, we, there we go. It, it's on sale September 27th. I'm sure people can pre-order it, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, it's a pre-order now. Uh, we're already getting a lot of pre-orders, which is kind of cool. And yeah, September 27th it comes out, then you will. You think the Kardashians are ubiquitous. Wait wait till you see my, my media tour. It's going to be everywhere and anywhere. And, and oh, by the way, I meant to tell you, I, I've always had an affection for uh, your, your former profession. Uh, Bonnie Bernstein was in my beach house at the Jersey Shore, and she came in unseen. I always found that to be funny. What? I'm sorry. That just was a like a like someone spun a top in front of me, and I couldn't follow it. Okay. Why was she in your beach house unseen? Okay. So I'm sorry. I, I meant I, I remember saying I, I got to bring this up during the podcast with Michelle. Uh, so this was years ago, and and uh, Bonnie w- was single, and I think she liked the guy in the house. So we were all out in New York one night, and what I mean by a house is when you rent houses, Jersey Shore, they're they're not cheap. So what you do is it's your core group of friends, then you bring in other people. 
to to get shares and to fill beds and to help pay for uh, the rental, right? So we were interviewing people to, to come in. And then one night we were out and and Bonnie was was with us and I had met her for the first time. And then I said, I got this beach house. You should come in like half joking. Like there's no way this girl's going to go down to the Jersey Shore and go to this house and basically sleep in a basement. Well, that's exactly what she did. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it to be funny, but she would get like stuff sent to her by CBS and she was studying for preseason games, like in the backyard. I'm like, this is so cool. I got like, you know, oh, geez. I got Michelle Tafoya before, you know, Michelle Tafoya. That's what we, uh, that's what we do in all our spare time as sports reporters. We study just, it's a nonstop thing and, and I'm not doing it anymore. So I get to talk to people like you and this is a lot of fun for me. So Joe, thanks for, for thanks for being with us. Um, uh, we'll see you around and, and good luck with the book. I want to do outnumbered with Michelle Defoy. I'm going to talk to the people at Fox. We got to get that going. You talk to them about that. All right. My people. We'll make it happen. <laughs> thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Bye. You got it. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave. Do good. And come on, man. Go to the book. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Go ahead, do that. I heard that again. Come on, man. I know. I feel like Randy Moss. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what Legacy is about, is showing you options and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it. As inflation gets higher, this is where gold and silver come in. Someone is saying, okay, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. What a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what, are your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people, people probably think, uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me. To them, you would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation, right? You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. 
It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A um, couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, that's something that's going to be dramatic. So when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And, and that's exactly why. It helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. A weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. And we're <laughs> glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Th Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 